I'm in debt. I have two car payments, four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards, plus college for three kids on the horizon, zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate, and despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape, but it's never, I mean never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it, but it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late. I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions, as if that's enough. All this, and I still resent my family. Because I have no time just for me! I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry, seemingly, for no reason. I struggle with lustful thoughts, none of which my wife understands. Nor do I, for that matter. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family, and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist, and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing. I have too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry. It's interesting how so many times we forget that adversities are just part of life. It, it, it's, it, it's a big part of our life. And uh, I, I was reading a story the other day um, about uh, one of those doctor visit stories. That has, you, you, I don't know if you read some of those doctor visit stories, but um, uh, the doctor had bad news for, for this man. And, uh, and a wife and her husband went to the doctor. That's what the story was saying. And as they went to the doctor, uh, the doctor finished uh, the checkup on this guy. And uh, the doctor looks concerned because he didn't want to tell this guy anything yet. And, uh, and, and the guy asked him, doctor, uh, it's everything okay, doctor? And says, sir, um, I, I'm just going to ask you to give me a few minutes with your wife. I'm going to speak to your wife right now privately. Uh, please uh, sit in the waiting room. And uh, after, you know, after when we're done, we will let you know. The husband says, sure. And he gets up and he, he's worried. You know, what's really going on? How come he's not telling me anything? And, and what is it, doctor, says the wife? What is it? Is my husband going to die? You know, one of those situations where we expect the worst, right? Is my husband going to die? And the doctor looks, looks pain and he takes a deep breath and says, ma'am, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I have very bad news for you. Your husband is terribly ill and uh, it's one of those worst cases uh, ever seen. He is on his way out. And the woman, she just gasps and her hand uh, flies to her mouth. And, uh, and is there anything I can do, doctor? And the doctor looks intense, intent, with intensely to her. And, and he, when he's looking at her, he's looking, uh, he's looking worried at the same time. And he, and she goes, tell me please, is there anything I can do, doctor? The doctor takes a deep breath and she said, well, actually, there is something you can do. There is something you can do if you really want your husband to leave. You must treat him like a king among men. You must cook and serve him uh, his very favorite food every day. Uh, you can, uh, you know, let him watch any movie he wants, uh, any sport event, uh, grab the keys. You make sure you're the one driving. Uh, and when, when you're the one driving, let him play on his, on his phone. Do everything you haven't done for him in the last 35 years of your marriage. And if he wants to read, uh, if he wants you to read to him, read to him. If he wants you to, uh, if he wants you to rub his feet, rub his feet, scratch his back, you might do it. And this, ma'am, your husband can expect a full recovery if you do this and the woman thanks the doctor and leaves the office goes out to the waiting room and the husband is out there waiting and the husband says so honey what's going on and she says the doctor said you're gonna die the doctor said you are going to die sometimes sometimes news can just go from bad to worse sometimes 
the adversities will come no matter what. The adversities will come um, whether we like it or not. Uh, this might be a joke, uh, but it's reality for our lives. And the reality is that we all face different type of adversities in life. Uh, last week, last week we started by understanding adversities by responding three different questions. In our three different questions that we were looking at last week, today we are going to respond to four questions. We are going to respond to questioning, how do you respond to adversities? But last week, let's see in the screen what we saw last week. Last week we went through what is adversity. What is adversity? We understood that adversity from the scriptures, adversity is a transformational process. It's a transformational process that God allows you in your life. God allows this process, this transformational process for a good purpose. There is a good reason. There is a purpose why God allows adversity. Anytime you have a problem, anytime you're going through a difficulty, God has a reason why. God wants to do something in you. God wants to teach you something. God wants to strengthen your life in different ways. So try never to reject that adversity, but actually embrace that adversity and try to learn what is God really trying to teach me through this so why because adversity is a transformational process there is something God wants to change in our lives every time we're we're going through adversity every time you're going through pain every every problem every argument there is something God wants to teach you through that God allows that in your life for a positive reason, for a good purpose, a good reason. Uh, and, and then we also went through, uh, you know, through the question, where does adversity come from? Where does it come from? We, uh, we saw that adversity comes from three different parts, three different, way, three, three different places. One of them, adversity comes from God. When God wants to get your attention. A lot of times we do not look up to God unless we are going through struggle. Unless we're having a struggle, unless we're having an issue, unless we're having a problem in life, we do not look up to God. We don't cry out to God. But a lot of times He allows us the adversity just so that we can look up to God and look for God in our lives. Also, adversity can come from other people. We talked last week that we live in a fallen world. People can be mean sometimes. People can do evil things a lot of times. And a lot of times, those mean things, those evil things, will affect and touch our lives in different ways. So, but adversity also comes as a result of our own bad decisions. A lot of times, we make decisions, we make the wrong decisions. Sometimes we even make the wrong decisions, even though we knew we were making the wrong decision. We still make that bad decision, and a lot of times we, as human beings, we like to make the decisions, whatever decision we feel like making, and we don't want to experience the consequence of our bad decisions. We want to make the decisions that satisfy our own ego, our own person, but we don't want to experience the consequence that those decisions might bring. And a lot of times, we do experience adversity because we choose to make a bad or the wrong decision. So we, we answer one, a third question. So what is the purpose of adversity? Whether, whether the adversity comes from God, whether it comes from other people who, may, who, who were, you know, were mean to you or did something bad that affect you, or whether the adversity comes from your own bad decisions, as a result of your bad decisions, there is a purpose. God always allows things with a reason. There is a purpose. The problem is a lot of times we are not patient enough to ask God, God, don't ask God, you know, why? What, what's going on? Why me? Ask God, what am I going to learn through this? There is a purpose in every adversity. Last week, we said one of the reasons God allows adversities in our lives, trials, problems, is because He wants to get our attention. Another reason, God wants you to self-examine yourself. He wants to for you to examine yourself, for you to know exactly what's in you. A lot of times people say, well, God is testing you because once God wants to see how strong is your faith. No, God already knows how strong is your faith. 
Let's understand this. God knows everything. God is omniscient, so He knows everything. He knows how your faith is. When you are tested by God, He wants you to know how strong is your faith. He wants you to understand where are you. Where are you in your faith? Because from your faith... From the strength of your faith, you will, you will show it in the way you respond in the adversity. So adversity uh, is used by God also, also to conquer our pride. A lot of times we are prideful. And there is a, God has to allow adversity in our lives so God can humble us. If we don't get humble, like if we are full of ourselves, God cannot put anything in you. We are so much, so many times we are so full of ourselves that God is not able to put what He wants to deposit in your life because you're not allowing God to do that. Also, God uses adversity so that we can cry out to God. God uses adversity, we also said last week, to uh, get rid of those shallow friends that you have. Those friends that only look for you in the good times, but in the tough times, they run away. They don't even know you. In the tough times, once you're broke, once you don't have anything anymore that they can feed off, you know, they don't know you anymore. They don't even call me. Who? Uh, Oscar who? You know, they're like, they, they have no idea who you are when you have nothing to give them. Also, God allows adversity because He wants, to, he wants for us to learn the things that we're going through so we can also help others when they also go through the same things you and I went through. So those are lessons that He wants us to learn so we can help other people. And He uses adversity. We finished last week saying He uses adversity to bring you to the feet of Jesus. You know, it's amazing that we would not look for God. We would not look for Jesus and the hope that is in Him unless we're going through a tough time. So after learning what where and the purpose of adversity today we will answer this third question uh, this fourth question i'm sorry that it's how to respond to adversity so how do we respond to adversity i, I love the way peter encouraged uh, his readers in first peter, peter chapter 4 verse 12 through 14 peter tells the uh, he, his readers people who were going through adversity you got to remember when peter wrote first peter the the, the the christians at that time they were going through very tough times they were going through a lot of adversity they had lost property they had lost jobs they had lost family because nero who was the emperor in rome at that time the the holy spirit inspires peter to write this book they were going through tough times because they were persecuting the Christians and killing the Christians. Killing the Christians because they were not bowing down to the emperor, but to Christ. And they didn't want to deny Christ, so they would kill the Christians, the whole, whole families. They would kill them all just because they were praising the name of Christ. So Peter tells them, dear friends, I know you're going through trials. But dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. Don't be surprised. It's nothing out of the world. Trials, he's telling them, is they're part of life. Even though you're going through a lot of problems, a lot of situations that are tough, do not be surprised that you're going through these trials. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead... Instead of, uh, instead of being surprised, be glad. Whoa, who wants to be glad when we're going through adversity? Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to say, oh, I'm so glad and, and carry a nice smile everywhere you go. I'm glad. No, but Peter says, in other words, what Peter is trying to say here is, keep a good attitude as you're going through these trials. Instead of surprising, instead of showing, uh, being surprised, instead of nagging, instead of complaining, be of a good attitude, be glad in your heart. Why? Why? For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering. So you're at the same level with Christ when you are suffering for the right reasons. Not when you are suffering for the wrong reasons. 
Not when you go through adversity just because you make wrong mis- you, you make bad decisions that are bringing consequences into your life, but you are there with Christ. You are suffering for a good reason. You are suffering for doing what is right. But don't be surprised. Actually, be glad. So, so I want you to remember that adversity is a transformational process as we saw last week. It's a transformational process that God allows in your life for a good reason. There is a reason why. Maybe God wants to correct your life. Maybe God wants to show you a different way that you should go. Maybe God wants you to make a better decision than the ones you have been making. You have to really meditate and you have to think about why is God allowing this in my life? Why do I need to learn? What do I need to do different than what I have been doing? Adversity can either make you or break you. You know, it's interesting. Adversity is going to make you stronger or break you in pieces. You know, that will depend. How you respond will depend on how strong your relationship is with God. You, you want to know how your relationship is, is really with God? See yourself, analyze yourself when you're going through adversities. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a problem, the way you respond, the attitude you respond with, the words you respond with, the actions you respond with to that adversity, to that problem, to that tough situation that you're going in life, the way you respond, it will show how strong your faith is with God. There has been a lot of people in the world that have experienced adversity, different types, different sizes, different colors, but adversity after all. We all respond in different ways. And remember, we are like a, like a, like a teabag. We are like a teabag. We, 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 we give out when we are under hot water. So when you're in that moment, when you're in that tough moment, that's when you know exactly what you're made of. William War is quoted in saying, Adversity causes some men to break and others to break records. This is a proven beyond reasonable doubt. This is proven beyond reasonable doubt to be true. Um, a lot of us know, we, we probably all know, who Abraham Lincoln was. And we know some stuff that he went through, right? It amazes me. Some of the stuff I didn't know as I was reading some of, a little bit of his story, uh, the story of his life. It amazes me because he, he was born, he was born into uh, poverty. He was born into poverty in, in 1809. And Lincoln had no formal education. In fact, he even dropped out of uh, grade school. His father, Thomas Lincoln, uh, wanted him to become a farmer. So... His mother died when he was only nine years old. First adversity he was facing, first, first tough adversity he was facing. To help support his family, he found a job in a, in, in a farm and he went and worked as a farmer and didn't have the opportunity to go to school. As a matter of fact, if you put Abraham Lincoln's, all his education together, if you put it all together, his formal education, it, it, he didn't even study in a formal way for not even more than a year. Not even more than a year. So he decided to become a reader. He was reading. Every book he could read, he was reading. And he find uh, time to study mat- mathemat- mathematics, uh, literature, law. And, and, and he self-taught. He, he taught himself and became a lawyer. He did the, the uh, you know, he took the exam and he passed the exam. He became a lawyer. And at 23 years old, Lincoln had his first business. A little store. And uh, he went bankrupt. No, he filed for bankruptcy. He couldn't, he, he, he couldn't, it, it didn't happen. So, <clears throat> in a way, we got to be glad that uh, he didn't prosper. Uh, so that way he became the second best president, in my opinion, after George Washington. I think he was the second best president at that time. And, and um, his love, the love of his life died when he was barely 25 years old. So his mother died at nine. 
He, did, he couldn't go to school formally, uh, you know, to a formal school. Uh, he, uh, he lost the love of his life at 25. At 23, he went bankrupt. Uh, in 1936, he had a nervous breakdown. One of those that, you know, put him down for a long time. And seven years later, in, in 1842, Lincoln married uh, Mary Todd. Uh, together, they had four children. So the interesting thing is, it, it almost sounds like the life of Job when you read this part. Because he lost, out of the, the, the four sons that he had, he lost three of them. Edward died when he was three years old. Willie died when he was 11 years old. And Todd died at 18 years old. Sixteen years, uh, six years, I'm sorry, after his own father had died. You know, he suffered very, a very severe case of depression. Talk about adversity. I mean, you're, you're, you're going through adversity. You're going through these things, but you keep on going. You keep on going. He went into politics and lost a different elections. You know, so, and he wasn't so popular. You know, when he won the presidency, I don't know if you knew this, but he, you know, it, it was only 40% of the popular vote on his favor. So it, it wasn't like he was very popular. It's the Electoral College. He got those votes. He gave his inaugural, uh, you know, he, speech knowing that there was an army of sharpshooters uh, that were guarding him from the, comf- uh, com- uh, you know, from other soldiers that were trying to, other people that were trying to kill him. Uh, while in office, you know, he was despised by almost half of the nation. And he kept on going, he kept on going, uh, trying to pass the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which formally outlawed slavery through the nation. And he kept on going, he kept on going. His kids died, his father died, his mother died. And, you know, he, he, is, he never stopped, never gave up, despite of all the adversity. He had a drive inside of him that allowed him to overcome the odds. And a lot of times I'm surprised how, you know, we are drowning in a glass of water. There are things that happen in our lives and we're like, we're drowning in that little thing. Or, you know, or, or as it's been said uh, about the, new, the younger generation right now, the, the crystal generation. You tell them a little thing that doesn't go according to what they think and they're breaking. And it's like, oh, that is so bad or oh, 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 that is hurting me. And I'm like, boy, you don't know what hurting really is. You needed to be born in the 70s or in the 80s when things were a little tougher. You know, but the interesting thing about Abraham Lincoln is that uh, he died. He died on 1965 on April 15th. That's when he was, um, uh, he was murdered. You know what day that, that was? No. That was actually Good Friday. That was actually Good Friday. Interesting. But he had two favorite books. He had two favorite books. That he read and reread and reread, and he always talked about these two books: the works of William Shakespeare, Shakespeare, right? And what do you think was the second book? The Bible. And he read and reread and reread. You know how, how do you how does a person really go through all this stuff and keep and keeps on going? The only way you keep on going through adversity, the only way you find yourself responding to adversity in this way, in a way that you don't give up, is when you have a strong relationship with God. There's no other way. There's no other way. Uh, you know, I, I read the, the story about Bethany Hamilton. You guys will probably, most, most of you guys probably know about Bethany Hamilton. Uh, there was just a movie that was made about her not too long ago about few years ago, uh, it was uh, Soul Surfer. You know who better, You know that little girl, 13-year-old girl that, got, uh, that, that was on her way to be a champion, surfing champion? And she was just relaxing, chilling at the, at the beach, and she's on her surfboard, and this shark comes over and gets her arm and, and just rips her arm from her body. And now she's got one arm and, and the surfboard, and it's like, and you know that two years later she became a champion? She became an NSA champion. Do we have that? Thing? No, okay. I wanted to show you a video about her, but um, it, it, we couldn't, for some reason, we couldn't put it together. Um, but 
Bethany was being interviewed after that. A, a couple of years later, she was being interviewed. And she tells the story in her testimony. And she said, actually, a month before the shark uh, took my arm, my mom and I were really praying, asking God, God, what is your will for Bethany's life? Lord, I want to do your will. I want to make sure I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do the right thing. But I want to make sure that whatever I do, I'm doing it according to your will to my life. And a month after that, a shark takes my arm. How is that possible? And then she said, and I understood that he allowed that to happen because right after that, doors were open for me to go and share the gospel with a lot of young people all around the world. So I found the purpose for my life. A lot of us, a lot of us will be like, hold on, Lord, I've been praying to you. I've been going to church. How do I lose my arm? And we will be crying. We will be complaining. We will be nagging about it. She wasn't doing that. But to respond that way, to respond the way Abraham Lincoln, to respond the way Bethany responded, for that, you have to have a strong faith. The difference, the difference is who and what is in you. That's what makes, that's what's gonna make the difference in your life when you're going through tough times. Your reaction to the adversities is gonna depend on who you trust when you're going through the tough moments in your life. If you trust in yourself, you will be disappointed. If you trust in other people, you will be even more disappointed. Trust me, trust me when I say that. Your reaction to adversities will depend on who you really trust. And there is two different things, two different reactions to this. The, the, the number one, first response, is our natural reaction during adversity. What is our natural reaction to adversity? Is how we react as human beings. As just as human beings, how do we react to adversity? And there is another reaction or another way we respond. We respond the way God's desired reaction during the adversity. How does God want me to respond during adversity? And how do I naturally respond to adversity? There is two different, two big things. How do I respond to adversity as a human being? How does God want me to react to adversity? So today... Uh, if, if time allows, today we are going to uh, focus ourselves mainly on our natural reaction through adversity. We might, we might be able to even look at one more point uh, on the, the, second, the second number two, God's desire reaction during adversity. If not, we will make a, a second part on this because uh, I'm not in a rush. I just want to make sure we teach this the proper way. What is our natural reaction? What is our natural reaction? Some people trust, some people trust in their circumstances. Um, when their life is going good, uh, they're good. Right? But when life is hard, they, they shatter. As long as their finances are in order, their health is, is good, their family are happy, and their jobs are going well. As long as there are no problems, they can, uh, you know, they can handle it. It's good. They're all great. But when tough times come, when life is unfair, as many express, when their struggles aren't quickly solved, because we want our struggles to be solved quickly, that's our natural, remember, we're looking at our natural reaction. When our struggles aren't quickly solved, they become depressed, angry, and bitter. They'll often pray, God, why do I have to go through this? It's not fair. And a lot of people have the audacity to even say, I'm mad at God. Excuse me? You are mad at who? <laughs> you you got to find your place. You got to find your right place in life. Who are you to be mad at God? Well, you make sure you repent of that. God is God and you are here by the grace of God. So be glad He hasn't got, he hasn't, he hasn't got rid of you yet. They'll often pray. You know, this shouldn't be. Life shouldn't be so hard. 
Some people trust their feelings. So, some people trust circumstances. Some people trust their feelings. If we want to succeed in life and be faithful to Christ, we must rise above our emotions. Our emotions go up and down, up and down. It's like a roller coaster. But we must rise above our emotions if we want to be faithful to Christ. We must go, uh, you know, we must do what's going right, and, and, and even if it's hard despite of our feelings, we must do what's right. But many people are controlled by their emotions. If their emotions are good, they're good. If their emotions are down, they're down. And they live according to that. And it's a sad thing to live that way. You have to learn to live according to the, the, the truth that God has implanted in your heart. If God declares something, believe that. If God has promised something, believe that promise. You know, and, and pray, Lord, I know that my feelings fluctuate. My feelings change. They, they're good and they're bad sometimes. But Lord, I want to live by what, the word, what Your Word is telling me. If not, we're done. We're done. And that's why we, we see so many, we see so, uh, suicidal rate is so high. Because people are focusing so much on their emotions. It doesn't mean your emotions are not important. They are important. God wants to help you. God wants to strengthen you through the hard times that you're going through. But He wants to tell you what the Bible says, what His Word is declaring to you. And He wants you to believe that. Don't trust your feelings. They vary. God doesn't. They change. God doesn't. God stays the same. God is an unchangeable God. But many people are controlled by their emotions. They only want, they only want to do what they feel like doing. And some people trust in their own wisdom and abilities. We see that happen very often. So what is our natural reaction? One of the things we do when, um, when we are going through adversities, one of our natural reactions to adversity is we doubt God. But we're not the first ones who do that. We're not the first ones who do that. Remember, remember Abraham? Remember Sarah? After waiting for a little while for the promise God had given them, she doubted. And what did she do? Oh, she ran and said, Hey, Abraham, I have an idea. What about you sleep with my servant? And Abraham didn't complain, right? It doesn't show like in the Bible he complained. He said, Oh, really? You, you, you're giving me a pass? Okay, I'll sleep with her. Well, they're still in conflict up to this day. Because the son of the maid and the son of the promised son, Ishmael and Isaac, it keeps on going the way it's going for that same reason. But we doubt. When Jesus put the disciples on the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, they were caught in a storm. And they encounter some very uh, strong uh, adverse winds. It's like when you're going in life, you're crossing, you're going through life. And when you're going through life, you will encounter these adverse winds that are going to be hitting you. And a lot of times, I don't know if you ever had the chance, but I remember when I was in the army, I remember us walking in the mountains, walking, uh, you know, with everything fully, fully loaded, and, and walking and winds against us, and we just wanted to give up. You're, you're going against winds, you're going with all these weights, and, and you're going with backpacks full of, full of stuff, and, and it's like, come on, do we have to keep on going? But you got to keep on going because you have no choice. And so a lot of times we're crossing life, we're crossing life, and, and, and Jesus put the disciples in a boat so they can cross the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and what, he, what did He do? He grabbed a, he, he, he got a, um, a little pillow, right? He got a little cushion, a little pillow, and went to sleep. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, and His head was on a cushion. And, and, and it says that the disciples woke Him out, Woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? So they're going through the problems that they're going through. And the first thing they said is, Jesus, do you care? Do you really care? And many times when we are going through adversities in life, we feel that way too. A lot of times we feel like, God, do you really care? Do you see what I'm going through? I know you have the solution. 
I know you can do things to help me out. Do you really care? And I heard people, when I have done counseling many times in the last 27 years, I heard people coming up to me and said, Pastor, I just sometimes feel that God doesn't care. Because I'm going through one thing after another thing, and then I realize this person really needs to grow in their faith. Because if we don't understand what God is doing, if we're not growing in our faith, we are going to doubt God. And, and, and many times that's what we feel like. Does God really care? And God cares so much that He says when you're going through adversities, He tells us in James chapter 1, He tells us if you're going through adversity, one of the things you need when you're going through adversity is wisdom. Because in the adversity, you need to make the right decision. When you're going through adversity, you need wisdom to make the right decisions, to know exactly how to do, what to do, how to, how to talk, what to say, what not to say. When you're going through a problem, whether it's in your home, with your husband, with your wife, whether it's with your kids, whether it's at work, you need wisdom to try to overcome that problem, to try to overcome that adversity. So God tells us that He is willing to give us wisdom, but when you ask for wisdom, He says in James 1, you have to believe that you will receive it. If you don't believe that you will receive wisdom to go through the adversity, then God is not going to be pleased if you don't believe it. If you don't believe you will receive wisdom for God, then He will not be pleased because God, God is pleased when we learn to trust Him. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says. He is pleased by our faith. So God tells us how to deal with this thing so we don't have doubts how God is working. Another, another, another natural reaction that we have in our lives as we get adversities, another natural reaction. Remember, this is not God's desire reaction for us, but this is our own reactions is fear. Boy, if there's one thing that we get so afraid of things, we might not say it, but we, when we're going through tough times, we, 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 we get afraid. We show fear. Look, look at what Jesus told the disciples uh, just, just two verses later. Uh, in, verse four, uh, in verse 40, He says, Then He asked them, Why are you afraid? I mean, didn't, was I not the one who told you, let's get on the boat and we will cross? So God, God Jesus was telling them, we will cross. And, and, and God will cross the sea with you. He is giving you assurance that He will get through it with you. He's not going to get you out of the storm. He's not going to get you out of the adversity. He is going to get in it with you and He's going to go across with you. Re remember the, the, the Daniel's three friends? Daniel's three friends didn't run from the adversity. When adversity hit them hard and they were going to be thrown in the, in the, in the fire... They said uh, to Nebuchadnezzar, dear king, you know, you don't, we don't need to think about this. If you're telling us we are going to get burned in that, in that oven, uh, if, if we don't worship your image, your statue, your idol, then, you know, there's nothing we need to think about. Because Nebuchadnezzar came to them and said, hey, let me give you another chance. And they said, we don't need another chance. We are going to stand firm in our faith through this trial, through this adversity. And instead of saying, God, get us out of this adversity, they invite God into the adversity. And guess what? Even the guys who put them in there got killed. That's how bad the fire was. And it didn't even touch them. It says in the Bible that they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of there. But a lot of times you just got to invite God in through your trials. And let God go through there, through, through, through those trials with you. And Jesus told them, why are you afraid? Do you, do, do you still have no faith? The, the reason why a lot of times we get afraid is because of our lack of faith. Our faith is not strong enough. That is a sign that I need to grow in my faith. They were, uh, you know, in this, in, there's an, another, in the other occasion when they were put in a boat by Jesus and He stayed out and He went and prayed for them. 
He put them in there, and, and at the moment the winds were hitting the boat and all that, they were, they were, they were making the effort. They were, they were paddling themselves. They were trying to fix the problem themselves instead of crying out to the Lord. And then all of a sudden Jesus appeared, right? But before that, they were trying in their own strength. And a lot of times when we're going through adversities, the main problem, the biggest issue is that we try. We try on our own strength. And no, no, you need God's strength. Without me, there is nothing you can do, Jesus said. There's nothing you can do. And another thing, another way we react to adversity, not just fear, not just doubt and fear, but a lot of times when we're going through adversity, we want to give up. We're like, oh no, this is too tough. We don't want to go through this. This is too tough. And a lot of times we want to give up. And one of the purpose, one of the reasons the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote the book of Hebrews, one of the reasons was to encourage Jewish believers to persevere in their faith as they were going through trials and adversities in their life. They wanted to quit. Isn't that a natural reaction we have? I mean, seriously. Don't you just want to make another problem? Again? Are we going to go through this argument again? Are we going to go through this, uh, this conversation again? Are, are we really going to get to this again? And, and it's like, you know, I'm done. Have you heard that expression before? No, 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 no. You know what? I don't want to talk about it. I'm just done. Sounds like a lot of you have done that conversation. A lot of them were struggling. They wanted to give up. And the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, he writes to them, because as they were struggling and going through trials, and they were struggling and having problems, having tough situations, tougher than you and I might never, we might never go through the things that we're going through. I mean, check it out. He, he's trying to encourage them not to give up. Let us hold, verse 23, 10, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Let's, let, let's, let, let's, let's hold tightly. Don't give up. Don't let go. It's like, you, you're going to fall off. Don't let go of that rope. That's your last hope, man. Hold it tight. Hold the tie without wavering to the hope we affirm. The hope, the hope, our hope is Jesus Christ. Don't let go. Don't quit. When you're going, as a matter of fact, let me, let me make sure that one of the things that we're going to see when, uh, when we go to the uh, second thing about how God wants you to respond to adversities. Let, let me just assure you one thing. I'm going to give you a little preview for what's coming next in our next study. God, God expects for you to persevere. Why? Because true faith, saving faith, is not destroyed by adversity because faith has been given to you by God Himself. So faith doesn't get destroyed by adversity. A true believer will persevere through the fire. It doesn't mean you're not gonna, it doesn't mean you're not gonna get discouraged. It doesn't mean you're not gonna get tired. It doesn't mean you're not gonna struggle with your, with your emotions. It doesn't mean you're not gonna get depressed through adversity. But it means that, despite of that, you are gonna get through because your faith is real. Saving faith will always pass the test. Fake faith will run away when the tough times come. That, that is the same thing in your, in your family. That is the same thing at your work. That is the same thing in your church life. If you have strong faith, you will stand and you will get through it. And so he was telling them, let, let's, let's, let's hold tightly. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. And in verse 32 of the same chapter, he tells them, he tells them think back. Think back. On those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even through immense, terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule, ridicule and were beaten 
And sometimes you help others who were suffering the same things. You suffer along with those who were thrown into jail. Imagine, these, these people were suffering not for doing bad things. They were suffering just for being Christians. And he's telling them, don't give up. Even when you were thrown into jail, and when all you own was taken from you, has that happened to you? It was all taken from them just for being Christians. You accepted with joy. You knew there they were uh, better things waiting for you that will last forever. So, in other words, they, had, they, had, uh, they, they were thinking about eternity. They were not thinking about the suffering of the moment. So, a lot of times we feel like giving up. Let's remember all these people that went before us and didn't give up. Uh, a few years ago, there was an American family who were missionaries in, uh, in India. And their mission in India was to help uh, people with leprosy. And nobody wanted to care for these people. Nobody, nobody wanted to pay attention to them. But it, it was a mother, a father, um, it was a daughter and two sons. So the mother and, and the daughter stayed back helping some people near their home. And then dad and the two boys got in the car, and as they got in the vehicle, they got in the vehicle, they drove up a little bit up north uh, to another place where they were going to help other people with leprosy. And they were, gonna do the, they were doing the right thing for, for God, for Christ, for serving God. And as they were there, they didn't have a place where to sleep, but the next day they had to keep on helping people. So they decided to sleep in their vehicle that night. So as they slept in the vehicle, in, in, in the middle of the night, there, there, there came this mob of about a hundred people. And they, they, they broke the windows of the car, poured gasoline in the car, and burning alive. The pastor who was telling the story about this, later on he said that he talked to the wife after all this had happened. And when he talked to the wife, he asked, you know, what are your plans now? Are your plans now to come back home? And she said, no. Our plans is to keep on doing the will of God. We, my daughter and I, we will keep on serving Christ no matter what. I mean, this is when you, when you go through tough times. And a lot of times... A lot of times we see an adversity just because we disagree with one another at home, right? We disagree with one another at home and that is an adversity and we want to give up already. Or a lot of times we don't know what to do with our kids or our work just because the boss told me to do things differently than, different than I, than I wanted to do it. And then I go like, oh, I don't want to work here anymore. You know, you... you you know, a lot of times we got we, we to be realistic. A lot of times we don't go through the tough adversities as some other people have gone through. And, and, and we have to understand, you don't give up. You don't give up. If you have real faith, if you have saving faith, you don't give up. You stand and you stay the course and you keep on going, you keep on going. But a lot of times our natural response is to give up. And number four, our natural response is to be negative. Oh boy, don't we get negative? Do we get negative, yes or no? We do. We do. We're, we're like the people of Israel. Remember the people of Israel in the desert? You know, God, God was guiding them. God just showed the, the ten plagues in Egypt to get them out of there. They saw this whole thing. They saw these miracles. And when they were going, and they were going fine, and, and then when they got to the, to the Red Sea, they get to the sea, and they see the, uh, the Pharaoh's army, and they're like, uh-oh, so what are we going to do now? Well, what they didn't understand is that when God takes you from point A to point B, God has a plan for you. Do you think God doesn't have a plan for you in your life? Of course He does. The question is, are you going to listen to God's plan or are you going to listen to your own? 
I'm sorry to break it to you. You're not smarter than God. Let me tell you, God knows what's best for you. Just like when you tell your kids, your kids ask you for something and you tell them, no, you can have that. And they say, but why not? You're bad. You don't love me. And they try to manipulate you, right? It's like, no, you tell them, I know what's best for you. And that's the same thing God does with us. As a matter of fact, God was guiding them. In, in Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, God, uh, it says that then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Ordered the Israelites to turn back and camp by uh, feed, I don't even know how to pronounce that word. So, you know, read it. Between Migdal and the sea. I know how to pronounce it in Spanish, not in English. Camp there along the shore, across from Balsephon, and then Pharaoh will think that the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. So God was tricking Pharaoh. He had a plan. He's going to get confused and think that the Israelites are confused, uh, that they are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. God knew this was going to happen. It was in his, in his plan all the way. And I had planned this in order to display my glory. Notice, God wanted to display His glory through this situation that they were going through. And so, God had a plan through the adversity. Always remember that. When you're going through a problem, God has a plan for you through that problem. And so then he says, after these Egyptians, um, after these the, the, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. According to God's plan. Things went according to God's plan, not according to the Israelites' plans. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel look up and panic. They panic. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. It's like, whoa, what is going on? God said He was going to save us. But, but check this. this is, they became so negative with this. They cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Moses, yeah, after the ten plugs, after, after everything that happened in Egypt, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? They were already negative. No, Moses didn't bring him out there to die. It was to free them from slavery. But they're like, you brought us to die. So they were negative already. Have you ever talked to people like that? That you mean one thing, you try to help them with something, and they see it completely the opposite way of what you're trying? Negative people. What have you done to us? And now they start blaming Moses. Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? So, when they were in Egypt, they were already negative through this whole thing. We said, leave us alone, they told Moses. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than corpse in the wilderness. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Here is God doing everything to free these guys. And as they're going, they see the adversity. What was the adversity? Seeing Pharaoh's army coming against them. But instead of trusting in the Lord, well, God said that He will take care of us. And when people are experiencing adverse times, it's easier to turn negative than to trust. It's easier to turn negative than to trust. Negative people, are they're fed by fear. They get fed by fear. And the reason we fear is because we don't trust. Simple as that. People who fear go through the same experiences of people of faith. But they react different. The difference between a person of faith and a person of fear is that a person of faith can cross the Red Sea to the promised land today. But the person of fear will wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years. Negativity is a huge enemy to our soul. It's a huge enemy to our soul, to our spirit. It, 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 it messes up with our lives in times of adversity. Look at what Moses told them in verse 13. 
in verse 13, Moses told them, told, told the people, don't, don't what? Don't be afraid. Look at what it says. Just stand still. Now, when you're going through a problem, through an adversity, how easy is it to stay still? It's hard. You want to find, you want to solve the problem. That's our nature. Instead of waiting for God. He says, stay still. In other words, trust who? Trust the Lord. So do your part and wait on the Lord. And then he says, watch and watch the Lord rescue, rescue today. The Lord will rescue today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. Yeah, those who are creating an adversity for you, you will never see them again. God had a plan through the adversity, but they were negative. We would we would rather we would rather die. And then the Lord told them in, in verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You, you know you know what God wants from us? God wants you to stay calm through the adversity and trusting him. Our reaction and I'll finish with this. Our reaction through the adversity has a lot to do with the type of faith we have. And we will look at this in the next, in the next study. We will, we will see how does God really wants us to respond in adversity. I, I, I'm going to ask you this week, try to go back home and try to think, you know, is this the way I respond? Do I respond with doubt? Do I respond with fear? Do I sometimes want to give up Anything just because anything happens in my life, anything adverse in my life makes me give up? Do I become negative or do I, or do I get to understand God's purpose through this adversity that I'm going through? You know, do you want to make God rejoice? When you have a positive response, it, it, you know, when you are going through adversity, have a positive response. And God will rejoice because that means you are trusting in God. And if you know how to respond to God, come to the next, next study, next, next Sunday. You'll love it. For now, for now, just go home thinking, remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and hope. God has good plans for you. No matter what the adversity is. God has good plans for you. Remember God's power. Remember God's power. Remember God's presence in your life. And remember what God has done in the past. In your life. And you will be able to face the adversity. With a completely different attitude. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, this day. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to look at the scriptures and to understand ourselves. To understand ourselves and the way we react when we're going through tough times. And thank you, Lord, for helping us understand that a lot of times the, the reason... The reason we might respond negative. The reason we might respond with doubt. The reason we might respond with fear. The reason we might be negative is because maybe our relationship, maybe our faith is weak. Or maybe we don't have a real relationship with you. Help us examine ourselves. Help us examine ourselves, Lord. Help us understand how we are, how we function are we doubters? Are we fearful people? Are we people who give up easily? Are we people who get the negative side of things more than the positive side of things? Lord, we just we, we, we pray, Father, that you will help us understand that without you, there's nothing we can do. So if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to Keep in mind 
that Jesus himself said, uh, Come to me if you are carrying all this load in your life and I will make it easier for you. Jesus says he's not going to take it away. He says he's going to go through it with you. That if you have never given your life to Christ, there's nothing you guys can do without me, he said. Maybe Jesus just wants you to start a brand new relationship with him. So if you have never given your life to Christ, think about it. And consider the, the reason why are you going through any type of adversity, whether it's small or big. Lord, we pray that if, any, if there's anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, that they'll be able to give you their lives right now. That they will be able to say, Lord, come into my life. I ask you for forgiveness. Forgive my sins. It's better to go through these adversities with you than without you. I pray that you will give me that faith that I need to believe. That faith that I need to be stronger. Thank you, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.